0: а mm. uh. uh.
1: Welcome to Essential Conversations. I'm your host, Rebecca Mears, with my co-host, Luca Hallex. And this week, joining us in the studio, we have one of our peers from here at CJSF, Devon Hall. We're very pleased to have her in the hot in the studio um, Devin has been our volunteer coordinator here at the studio and that's the capacity that we met her at over the summer and um, we love to have our CGSF staff come and join us in the studio so we get to peek their brains and find out who they are and why they do what they do thank you for joining us today Devin
2: thanks for having me guys
1: <laughs> so, so Devin special. is um, identifies herself as an existential crisis expert Yes. she's nodding <laughs> Yes. Yeah. and um, you've been investing a lot of energy lately into sharing your story about who you are and how you came to be that way the things that you've experienced in life but also putting yourself forward and trying to create a platform for other people to share their stories and specifically their stories as relates to abusive relationships dot 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 like yes. and 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 right yes. yeah what would you say would be the beginning of your story
2: oh yeah sure go easy oh yeah <laughs> um, I think uh, the beginning of my story I think is that when I was a kid I was very very creative and um, like many kids of color I was bullied And I needed a way to deal with that. And so I started creating stories inside my head and sort of watching them manifest around me. And somehow my brain was like, okay, now we need to put this to paper. And that's that. Mm -hmm. I don't know if that answers your question. So, yeah. So,
1: in other words, through some of the life experiences you were having, even as a child, one of the ways that you coped. Which is a pretty healthy way, to be honest, is the creation of stories, and then you find yeah. like these are stories not just for my head, not just for me to survive with. These are stories that can be shared. Yes, they can become external to me. So you've been yeah. writing since you were a kid.
2: Um, I think it's it's best to say that I've been keeping notes in my head since mm-hmm. I was a kid. Um, I wanted to be a photographer. When I was little and I was fascinated with cameras and I was fascinated with the, with moving pictures and I still say to this day, I don't say movies, I don't say films, I say moving pictures because <laughs> that's what the older generation calls them and I think that that was always so cool. Um, and we couldn't afford cameras so I would take snapshots in my head just to remind me like this day happened, this memory happened and one day you'll write a story about it. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think what I'm doing now is the the kind of the fruition of that, like all this.
1: It's time to take out those snapshots yeah. and write them down. All this
2: research that I've been doing that I've just been storing up.
0: Right. So, did you at some point begin to put this on paper or no. is it still notes in your, <laughs> in your head at this stage?
2: Um, it's funny because when you look at the site now, you're like, oh, there's a lot of work in this and there's still some things that I have to go in and kind of refine. But it essentially, the site that we're talking about, by the way, is Loudmouth Brown Girl. Um, it is my book. It is. It's my history. It's my spirituality. It's um, who I am as a person, as a woman, as a brown girl, as a daughter, as a future mother, hopefully one day <laughs> if Chris Evans hurries up. Um, it's my book. It's my notes. It's, this is everything. Um, so in terms of, of writing it down, I think, like I have a bin of books at home, notebooks that are filled with notes but it's all fiction mm-hmm. based basically on what the website is becoming, mm-hmm. which I find really funny because I'm like, oh, I didn't realize that this was like a real thing that I'm creating based on myself. I actually mm-hmm. thought it really was this
1: fictional story. Mm-hmm. So <laughs> what I'm hearing from that is that it's one of those things where we can pull. Po- well, I'm thinking now of the story I wrote that um, Luke, Luca was one of the first people to listen to it. I wrote one a year years ago. And the essence of that story is not important for right now. But when I when I wrote it and I shared it with Luca, she ended up feeding back to me, "This is about you." Yeah. And it was it was a story about witches. It was a story. It was like a children's story, and it was like yeah. uh, that kind of was like a. Sm- <laughs> I'm it apologizing. A smack. It was a smack in the face. Not that no, you meant a, a smack, smack in the face. No, I was but complimentary it was, about it. Yeah, yeah. It, it was a it was a oh, moment where I had mm. to kind of take that take that away. I'm hearing you're having, you've had that moment, and you got there on your own.
2: I call it my Beyonce moment. I do. Because, <laughs> like, that's, when you listen to Beyonce, when you listen to Lemonade, the impact that that had, and I was not a Beyonce fan just because I didn't hear anything that resonated with me. But to see how many black women and brown women and even Chinese, like, women in general were like, oh. <gasps> Beyonce just did a lemonade. Like, she, this is literally her taking her life that she thought she was gonna have, that she thought was gonna be perfect, and making lemonade out of it. Writers don't often get that moment because we are not singers, we don't go up on stage. Our work is done behind the scenes. And then you just see the finished product. You don't see all the work that goes into that. And like then people kind of read it inside yeah. their heads, right? It's yeah. They
0: they make up the what the visuals for it exactly. in their own mind. It's right? a very, it's very isolationary
2: private. isolationary process mm-hmm. from beginning to end. Um, but yeah, this is my lemonade. This is my mm-hmm. like life sucked. I owe nobody anything. I need to not be holding on to this anymore because mm-hmm. I need to go and do other things. Much yeah. like Beyoncé with Lemonade, she wanted to be a mom again. She mm-hmm. didn't want to be holding on to all this, so she used her music. I use my words. <laughs> yeah.
1: So, what is telling the story doing for you? It's so
2: healing, mm-hmm. but it's also really exhausting. Um,
1: I can imagine. <laughs> oh, yeah, because yeah. yeah. you, when you're telling it, you're you're eh, you're pulling it out again. It's yeah. like it all you experienced it all, all the first time. Experiencing it. Yeah. <laughs>
2: I would say that I didn't actually experience it. Um, so, and I know that you guys are going to ask us eventually, but we're actually here now. Go ahead. <laughs> Loudmouth Brown Girls started when I was a kid. I was always the Loudmouth Brown Girl. Like, every white guy was like, why do you be so loud? Why do you be so brown? Because this is who I am. Deal with it. Mm-hmm. Um, and then there was two particular people, my friend Six and my friend John Terrell, um, that, and my friend Elsie, actually. Uh, so Three who from the get-go looked at me and they were like, we know what you're going to be when you grow up. And mm-hmm. I was like, shut up. Don't put that on my shoulders. I'm not mm-hmm. I'm not where you think that I need to be to mm-hmm. be this loudmouth brown girl that's going to be mm-hmm. accepted and respected. So back off. Um, and those three people in particular are people that in Surrey are not necessarily well liked. In Vancouver, not necessarily well liked by some people. But for me, um, they gave me something to... To reach for and something to like one of these days.
1: It sounded like they saw better. your potential. Yeah, and I didn't they were like able that. to. Yeah, it can be mm-hmm. fear. It can be really overwhelming yeah. and threatening if you're not in a especially, place to own it.
2: <laughs> well, yeah, there's that, but there's especially like six. I knew him, human to human contact for an hour and forty five minutes, thirteen of which we had to spend alone. That was. Um, and he was my soulmate. He was the, he's the, the Prince Charming that I was dreaming about was like my punk rock fifties, rockabilly, like tattoo covered. Um, he's actually, it's funny cause he was as tall as Magnus. But he didn't look anything like Magnus. Magnus
1: is our station manager. Very tall. Very, very tall, very tall man. Yeah.
2: Um, so I, I apparently I had a type um, covered in tattoos, like walking out of, you know, Greece. Like that was my Prince Charming because he was weird and funky and Irish and I'm Irish and weird and <laughs> funky. Um, and we got 13 minutes together. Mm. But that impact had such a, a huge, it just, it was so big into who I am. Elsie and I knew each other for exactly five minutes. Um, John Terrell and I, we met, seven times in our entire life and he's now he's somewhere and I can't say where but he is somewhere and um he's I'm now more I think he should be <laughs> but he's wherever he is but these three men that like I mean they've been called rats they've been called terrible names um by people that know them and, and it's like me maybe to you but they legitimately saved my life mm-hmm. so that I could become the loudmouth brown girl mm-hmm. so yeah it's me that's a that.
1: testimony to the magnitude of an impact that we can have on other humans in a really short period of time.
0: Without it even realizing that yeah. we are, yeah.
1: right?
0: It, I'm I didn't sure realize didn't it. think they were that important in your life. Oh, no. Elsie
2: right? knew. He, I walked. I remember walking into this apartment, and I'm not going to say where. I won't say who else was there because um, Elsie's not his real name, obviously. Mm-hmm. But I walked in, and he looked at me, and he was like, whoa. And I was like, I was quite overweight. I had no self-confidence. I was the brown girl. Everybody else there, all the girls were skinny, scrawny potheads. I didn't smoke pot. I didn't drink. I didn't party. I was the Virgin Mary (laughs) in this, like, group of people. And he was just like. Damn, you're gonna be pretty when you grow up, and I'm gonna be your anchor. And I was like, "What is this crackhead so talking you know, about? Like, so he's cool. crazy, he's nuts, he's a drug dealer." So it was not that cool at the time. <laughs> it was like, no, but that aspect of him was cool. No, like that. I was terrified. He's big, cake, okay. gorgeous, beautiful, mm-hmm. and you know my type, Chris mm-hmm. Evans, dark hair, blue eyes. <laughs> so I walked in, and here's this beautiful, like mountain made of muscle and just sex appeal. And he's like, "You're gonna be so hot, and I'm gonna be there to protect you." And I was like Uh uh-uh you're scary and you do bad things and i mean i was 23 and i was super innocent i'm less innocent now um but yeah i i really didn't register the impact that he was gonna have until Mm -hmm. i went through this last year and i was like oh my god Mm. the things that he said and did to protect me Mm. um and and it's what you guys just said not understanding like and only being able to appreciate it when Mm. they're gone (laughs) right yeah yeah, yeah,
0: but at least you are appreciating it, right? And so you're and you're bearing so. witness to it by talking about it. Yeah, so much so, really grateful yeah. to yeah. all of
2: them for for being there too. Uh, to just, it's those moments where someone says like, "Hey, you're really beautiful," or "You're really strong," or "Whoa, like you're." The first words out of Six's mouth when I walked into his tattoo shop in Gas Town was, "Oh my God, you're real," and I was like, "Yeah, what are you talking about?" and uh, I won't get into why because that's that's between me and him. Um, nothing ever, ever happened, just for the record, that was anything inappropriate. He was a tattoo owner. I was a, a client. But, yeah, it was just this moment of, like, this person recognizes I exist and they see something in me. And that looking back at that now, I'm like, I needed that. And mm-hmm. so you store it up for later um, for those moments when you're like, nobody loves me and everybody hates me and I'm going to die alone. You got to let yourself go backwards sometimes. And Where
1: somebody saw you. Yeah. Saw you and spoke to you. Yeah. Not just saw you and then went on their way, but that's they, said, yeah. they they let you know that they saw you.
2: Yeah, it was the first time a guy hadn't grabbed my boobs, my butt, hadn't tried to grope me. He was just like, whoa, you're real. And I was like, yes. <laughs> what does that mean? Yeah. And now I know because he saw that too. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I have that to hold on to now.
1: And I think you're creating some of the same experience with what you're doing I hope so. In telling, not just telling your story, but in in creating a platform and a space for other survivors um, to share what their experiences have been in whichever way feels safe for them, whether they want to identify themselves, identify other people, keep it anonymous, Mm -hmm. tell the essence, make it slightly fiction, whatever they need to do in order to tell their story, you're enabling that person to be seen.
2: I hope so. Yeah. Um, We have... uh, Jessica Brown again. It's and I don't mean to keep promoting. Well, yeah, I do because it's Yeah, you I'm do. You're, that's exactly. Uh, but it's loudmouth Brown girl. And I uh, we were at the AGM for CGSF uh, a couple weeks ago. I guess you guys were not there. No, we
1: didn't make flame, it. Damn, and you never make it. Um,
2: <laughs> but we were there, and I come downstairs. I was like, I just, I'm so over the stuff that we were talking about for the AGM because I've been hearing it for three years and I'm done (laughs) and I'm not a volunteer coordinator anymore. So I don't have to care. (laughs) So I was like, I'll go down and have a smoke. And there's this giant group of women um, from all across Canada. that are involved in cannabis. Mm -hmm. And I was like, Oh my God, I've built this site and I'm totally stoned the whole time I was doing it. And we got to get in contact. And literally every one of those girls has been like, yeah, what can we need to help? Um, Mm. And that's for me, that's the best part Rebecca you put me in touch with somebody who I was like and I won't say who but literally on the phone with this person I was like I'm so glad you exist mm. because I thought I was the only one and even though they're not ready to speak out um or not able to or whatever the case the case may be there's gonna be that one other girl somewhere that's oh yeah like, I yeah. can come speak out now um Rebecca mm-hmm. Brown uh used to work at Daily Hive She's willing to ghostwrite for women and for men who want to come forward and be like, "This is my experience." Who can't share their names and can't share their location, but still want to have their stories. Still need to be
1: witnessed.
2: Yeah, Mm -hmm. Um, and that's really cool because that's going to allow us to, a, uh, not, sorry, Jessica, (laughs) Jessica is going to be able to sit with these women, Mm -hmm. and they'll be in complete privacy, or on the phone, or Mm -hmm. through email, Mm -hmm. but complete privacy. Mm So it's like one person out there knows you exist. Mm -hmm. One person knows your story. One person knows that you are real and that these things happen to you without you having to come out and throw your face out there. Mm -hmm. For the record, Mm -hmm. I don't really want to be the face of Ladmouth Brown Girl. I never did. Mm -hmm. Who wants to be the face of something that is about, at the end of the day, non-consensual relationships Mm -hmm. um, or or forced slavery, Mm -hmm. um, which is what non-consensual relationships are at Mm -hmm. the end of the day. Nobody wants to be the face of that. But somebody had to be um, so that other girls
1: don't have to be. Right. It's it's trying to change the path for the future, right? And somebody needs to at least say, hey, 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 no, not this way. There's another way. Yeah. Yeah. And there's a much more to your blog, right?
2: So much more. Where would you like to start? You tell me. Um, Okay, well... Like I said earlier, my answer to Fifty Shades of Grey is coming. That's crap. If you read it, put it down and burn it.
1: <laughs> <laughs>
2: I like. I wholeheartedly advocate the burning of Fifty Shades of Grey. And if you are actually going to burn your copy, I will post your photo to our Instagram. <laughs> um, send it to me. I uh, <laughs> One of the reasons that I'm so passionate about hating that book is because... I had an adult BDSM blog on uh, on Tumblr, and I was like, this is really cool. I can share what I'm into anonymously. I can connect with other adults. And one of the first things I started getting was letters from teenagers being like, well, I want to do this, and I want to do that. And I'm like, you're 17. You do not need to be using rope, let alone having sex.
3: Mm.
2: Given a choice, I would not have been having sex at 17. Um, and so I had to shut that down really quick because I was mm. like, this is just – Tumblr has no adult boundaries. Mm. Um and, and kids can go on there and see some really terrifying and traumatizing things. And I didn't mm. want to be a part of that culture. Mm-hmm. Um, but also, I really wanted to stress that, like, you can have kinky, crazy monkey sex. And it can be consensual. There are people out there that quite enjoy rape scenes. Because they know that at the end of that scene, the power is in the hands of the submissive. If it's done properly. I'm obviously not one of those people. Mm-hmm. But that's the key point, right? Yeah. If it's done <laughs> Properly, properly if which means yeah. it's consensual and there's agreements in yeah. place. Yeah, what if, does
1: proper tell me what properly means so in the context?
2: In the bondism world, and this is something that I have been I've been really lucky in terms of the tops that I've had. Tops is the dominant in the relationship and you wouldn't think that I'm a submissive, but most dominant. That's, that's often how they want sh- be. Yeah. yeah, They want someone to be like, it's okay. Yeah. I'll take care of you, and yeah. I'll snuggle you, and I'll do all the work, and you relax. And it plays relax. out a different side of yourself yeah. that is not necessarily the side that you're yeah. living in your everyday life. Right? Yes, exactly. And so I've been very lucky in the tops that I've learned from. Um, I actually there's a woman, and I can use her name because I have permission. Um, <laughs> her name is Jelena, and she uh, she calls herself a slave. And the first time I heard those words, like, my husband is my, my master and I'm his slave, everything in me went, that's the most disgusting thing I've ever heard and you're gross and I don't want to talk to you. And <laughs> I didn't talk to them for years because I was just so afraid of what I would learn if I sat and listened to them. There was talk.
1: something threatening about that. Mm-hmm. Yeah,
2: because yeah. I was living that, that life. Really, yeah, 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 yeah. Where it was not for consensual. For real. Yeah. yeah. Um. And he patiently explained to me, I said to him one day, like, you know what? I'm really angry at you because your lifestyle has pushed my boundaries. And he's like, that's not my problem. And I went, no, I know. And now I would like to, if you're willing to teach me, I'd like to learn. And he's like, well, basically it's a title and it doesn't mean anything other than it's a game that we play when she's home. He's like, I cook, she cooks, I clean, she cleans. It's a regular marriage. It's just every now and then we get a little freaky and that's the word we use. And whatever falls under that is consensual. It is an agreement between the two of them. They have protections that, and, you know, some some couples do write down a contract and mm. it, it helps them kind of keep everything in order. Um, some couples, it's like, well, do you like this? Do you like that? And you learn as you go. Mm. But at the end of the day, it's the understanding that you're dominant and you're submissive, want to make sure that both parties are completely safe. And that Sounds includes like aftercare, not a just a
1: whole lot of communication. So much communication. Which, and so a whole much lot of, of boundaries. The, so many. Yeah. And, and a <laughs> lot of the 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 popular culture versions of these things that are coming out is not about communication. No. It's about somehow finding yourself in an experience that's somehow titillating because you don't know what to expect. Yeah. But this is actually what I'm hearing, clear expectations. Absolutely. Clear boundaries. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. And
2: there there has to be because especially in the Me Too and Time's Up era. Let's take Gameshi for instance. He swears up and down that what he did was consensual and that women agreed. But a lot of times what women are agreeing to is if I say yes to this, it won't get
3: worse.
2: Mm. And that, right. I think, is where the communication comes in because mm-hmm. you can't take a woman out to dinner and give her a couple of drinks and then take her home and think on the first night that's what she wants. Sometimes, yeah, women want that. And they will be up clear. This is what I want up front. But if a woman is not saying up front, I want to just have it be tonight, there's probably a reason for that. Mm -hmm. And she might just be going along with it because it's easier than saying no and being worried that you're going to fight her off. Would you rather be a Me Too survivor or would you rather have been like, hey, yo, lady, is this what you really, really, really want? Right. Right. Right, and I, I, I'm, I'm. And if all there's for a shadow of a doubt,
0: we're I'm, not going there. I'm all right? for having
2: one night fun. Yeah. Absolutely, yeah. do it, but just make sure that both parties are comfortable with it. Because yeah. sometimes guys are just going along with it because they think you are too. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So if
0: you're just joining us as we're in deep in conversation <laughs> with Devon Hall, we're with Devon Hall today on Essential Conversations. And Devon calls herself an, existent- an existential <laughs> crisis expert, and we've been talking about that a little bit, and also a champion for voices of oppressed women and children. And we've been talking about that, too. Mm-hmm. So... Um, <laughs> We're we're back talking to Devon again, and and pick up where we left
1: off. I have a, feel like one of the things that you brought either for show and tell or one of your songs slash poems wants to come through here. What do you feel called to, either your show and tell or one of these?
2: Um songs you know or what? Poem. I think I really want to do "Take Back the Night" because it's okay. such a powerful, powerful poem, and I think that it needs to be heard.
1: Okay. But do you I want know. to tell us why you chose this before or after we listen to it? Uh, let's do after. Okay, sounds good. We're going to... This is by Tidalope, and it's called Take Back the Night, and we will rejoin Devon Hall here in the studio in just a few minutes.
4: There are few things more beautiful than the sunset. How light scatters across the horizon, the way the sun torments the sky with this final gesture of beauty is enough to make your heart flutter. And it does. Butterflies dance across your belly and take flight. It's nighttime. And somewhere a woman is afraid for her life. There are no metaphors for that. She becomes an unarmed soldier in a wide open battlefield in a war she never asked for. She will remember the lessons drilled into her head from the day she entered the world already kicking and screaming, don't talk to strangers. Do not enter their car. Never leave your drink unattended. No means no. Your body is a temple. But these lessons are only relevant when you are given a choice. There are no negotiations between a switchblade and a chokehold. And they will ask you how short your skirt was. Did you smile a little too wide? Hold his gaze a little too long? Maybe it was your body that was saying yes. Even when your mouth whispered no, maybe it was the whisper. Maybe he didn't catch it. That almost inaudible resistance. Maybe you should have taken the main street. Never walked through the back alley. It must have been the way you walked. With your hips moving free as if your body might actually be your own. But this is the simple truth. Sometimes strangers are not strangers at all. They are our brothers. A friend. A friend of a friend. A good Samaritan with a smile that reminded you of somebody you must have met somewhere. Sometimes it is in your own car. Sometimes it is your own drink with your grip firm around the glass. Sometimes it happens quicker than a no. And this temple becomes a place for broken men to practice new types of blasphemy. Often we are fully clothed, hoodie, sweatpants and running shoes, minding our own business on the main streets, on the same route we take every single day, around the corner from our front doors, inside our own homes, where shadows turn friends into predators and resistance becomes merely a suggestion. It is nighttime. And somewhere a child is born, she will inherit fear like a birthright, administered intravenously, every drip drop and unsolicited affirmation that tells her your body is not your own is not your own, is not your own. Somewhere a woman is taking an inventory of herself, of breasts, of hips, of thighs. Her eyes are scanning the streets, doing the mathematics of how many hurried steps she will need to take to arrive home intact. She is negotiating her body when no is not enough. She is watching how shadows turn her lover's face into somebody she doesn't recognize. She is taking the last sip of a funny tasting drink and suddenly everything is unfamiliar. But at least for tonight, we become the watchmen, An army where no one gets left behind, we will cover all her blind spots. And we are not afraid to to take back back the night.
1: We respectfully acknowledge that we broadcast on unceded ancestral territory of the Coast Salish peoples, the Squamish, the Musqueam, and the Coquitlam, and the tsleil We are here with Devon Hall at Essential Conversations. We were just listening to Take Back the Night, which was by Titilope Sanunga, and that was originally created for an Edmonton event. I think it was uh, sexual assault um, relief, mm, things like that. No, I mm-hmm. don't have it in front of me, but the, oh, there it is. Yes, it is. Sexual Assault Center of Edmonton. There we go. As their, part of their annual Take Back the Night event. That was, oof, all of us, three women sitting here, nodding our heads. We all. Oh, God, That's my life yes. story. We all get it. That's my life story since I was five years old. Yeah. 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 And women the world over. Yeah. Right? So and that's so sad. Tell, tell us more about why why that. Why did you pick that today?
2: Um, I was doing a story on a woman named Naringa Benkian, who uh, her niece actually was being sold as a child sex slave to members of the Lithuanian government. Um, and back when I was anonymous and nobody actually knew me, uh, that was one of the cases that we were working on and trying to get her out of Lithuania and somewhere into the States. She got to the, to Chicago and she uh, was recently just ordered back to Lithuania. Um, her brother was murdered. N- we haven't heard any information on her niece in more than seven or eight years now. Wow. Um, there's video online. If you Google Oplith child, um, you will find video of the Lithuanian police. And I mean, N force like hundreds of cops breaking into Naringa's house and, and taking, taking Diamente back into the custody of the mother, who is the same woman that sold her. Uh, To the Lithuanian government As a child sex slave A lawyer in that case was murdered A judge in that case was murdered The father was murdered And then accused of the first two murders And on top of all of that um, Naringa was a a member of parliament She was a, a member of the government
1: so this she is, had high status, and yet yep. her child was she, still not safe. Her
2: niece was still not safe, and mm-hmm. um, or her niece, sorry. Yeah, yeah mm-hmm. she fell as far as you can get. She's as far as I know. She's in Chicago right now, still trying to get the extradition uh, canceled. But it's we've called the UN, we've called, wow. we've called the White House, we've called the State Department. Like we have, there is no phone call we have
1: not made. Yeah, um, what was the was it uplift a child or uplift a child?
2: Uplift child. So O P L I T H. And then Child. Oh, okay. Um, and yeah, you. I wouldn't look it up now. No, but I'm going to find a link. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah. just because it, it's... I was watching it live. Okay. Um, oh, God. And that was hard because yeah. we... That was the day that Sebou was had been outed as a FBI informant and we had been planning to use his fame to get her story attention and then the FBI threw that up and it was like, oh, anything we do now is undershadowed by this event and by WikiLeaks. Um, which just explains more of, like, what women go through. Here's this woman who was the top of what you could get to in Lithuania without being the president. And she lost everything. And then just as we're about to say, hey, this is what's happening, the FBI sweeps in and basically steals our thunder. Um, Jeremy Hammond, who was a good friend, was arrested that day. And this, that whole poem just, that's Naringa's story, too. You know, that's what happens when you fight for victims and when you don't shut up and you don't go away, there's always somebody there trying to shut you up and trying to make you go away. Um, and I think that it's just as important to recognize those. And so that's why that that poem, because we yeah. do it for the Naringas of the world who mm-hmm. got screwed. <laughs> so for those
0: of you who would like to follow that link, um, we're... Uh, a posting on on um, Twitter. Twitter. My 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 brain had a <laughs> had a little fart there. Luca doesn't tweet. Yeah, <laughs> um, we're we're tweeting out links all the way through the show, so you can follow us on Essential Conv, which is Essence T I A L C O N V, and we're um, we're putting
1: links to all kinds of things that For we're talking record, about today.
2: I follow you guys on Twitter. You don't follow me.
1: Uh, well, that changes today. Oh, okay. <laughs> 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 no, we're yeah, we're following you. Oh, All right, cool. Yeah, yeah, we're on there. Special, yeah, yeah. Mm. So, where next? Paris, <laughs> right on.
2: I'm not even kidding. That's my goal. Do you feel a
0: connection to Paris?
2: Yeah, oh. Nikki Bella goes there. That's, like, her favorite place in the world, and she's my hero because she's <laughs> amazing, which is funny because she's a white chick, and uh, I'm the loudmouth brown girl, but, yeah, Nikki is like, my hero, so that's why we'll go Paris. to
1: Paris. Get to Paris. Yeah, get to and Paris. when you get to Paris, Shopping what's on your list?
2: Shopping, champagne, and stocking Nikki Bella. And it's, like, everyone's like, really? She's such a white girl. She's not, actually. She's Latina, first of all. Mm -hmm. Um, And secondly, when she joined WWE with her twin, Brie, who's also, like, a goddess (laughs) by the way. WWE is? WWE is WWE. It's World Wrestling Entertainment. Um, Okay. Which I've been a fan of since I was a little girl. Mm -hmm. And... When I was a little girl, WWE girls, they dressed up in bikinis, and they had pillow fights, and were dancing under sugar and maple syrup, and it was really gross. And I never wanted to be in that ring. I wanted to be in that ring. I just wanted to fight the guys, because they had, like, way cooler (laughs) storylines. And, like, who doesn't want to fight with John Cena? Come on. (laughs) Right? Like, really? Um, Especially after the, the new commercial he just did, which was so perfect. (laughs) Um, But then, you know, you get Nikki Bella, and that was when I kind of came back to the WWE was when I first saw them. And I started watching her story, and she broke her neck, and she had to fight really hard, not only to come back from a broken neck. No kidding. But to come back and still do fashion, still be a businesswoman, still be an amazing aunt, still plan a, a wedding, which I'm really sad didn't work out, and I'm sorry I shouldn't mention that, but whatever. She still kicks butt in the ring, and she's still wrestling. And I think that that is so cool because she's proven, specifically her, because she's the one that gets called fat, gets called ugly, gets called stupid. And Brie gets that a lot, too, but Nikki's more out there in the world. She's more um, the face I guess, and Brie's more family woman and Nikki's still single and so there's that very big distinction between how Brie Bella gets treated versus how Nikki Bella gets treated and she's still going, yeah, and I'm still kicking butt and going to Paris every year to go shopping and drink champagne. <laughs> so, that's my goal is shopping in champagne like Nikki Bella. <laughs> yeah, with Nikki Bella hopefully one day. That'd be amazing. <laughs> oh. Ah, does that answer what next? <laughs> yeah, yeah. No,
1: I yeah. want to ask you now about some of your show and tell. So you brought yeah. a couple of uh, pictures to share with everybody. One was about um, a purse, and the other is about your bedroom.
2: Yeah.
1: Tell us about those.
2: Um Well, I live in an apartment, and when you live in an apartment and you're a single woman, um, your bedroom can be boring. And I was – like, the adult bedroom, when you're 35, is supposed to be, like, soft colors and undertone. I'm like – not a soft undertone. Boy, oh, I, I
0: missed that chapter. <laughs>
2: yeah, right. So I'm like, <laughs> I have I have stuffed stars, um, on my bedroom wall above my bed, like right where my head it lays. Um, I have a crescent moon, which reminds me of the goddess Nyx, which uh, you'll find some information about on the website eventually when I get there. Mm-hmm. Um, and I have a, a bright. Uh, yellow moon which represents me and then a dark star which repre- represents all the negativity that like is constantly flowing around me and um, when I go to sleep the last thing I see is that gold star reminding me like you've, you've accomplished a lot in 35 years you haven't killed anybody you haven't tried to kill anybody <laughs> and you're still here um, so I've got that and then I have my zebra sheets because when I was 17 I wanted zebra sheets And a boy that I used to be in love with, who became a man that I'm no longer madly in love with, remembered and maybe might have mentioned it to somebody in my family that I wanted zebra sheets at 17 when I finally got to the place where I was ready to be whatever. And so then I had zebra sheets, which is a terrible idea. Don't sleep on zebra sheets. (laughs) It is the worst, most uncomfortable, most like the colors. The colors or the. Or are they actually furry? <laughs> no, they're not furry, but they they are soft. Yeah, they're like cashmere se- sheets, right? But it's like white and black, so you go to sleep and you get this blinding white in your eye. It's just not relaxing.
1: <laughs> so now they're bright pink. Now you learn. Oh, did, are they? Yeah. You dyed them? Oh. You no, died? I know. No, 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 no. no, no. Oh, I, I replaced them to
2: bright pink sheets because uh-huh. I oh. still get the mm-hmm. the warmth. Mm-hmm. without the mind-numbing freaking zebra. <laughs> mm-hmm. a
1: terrible idea. It's which true. I can he, imagine. Very he said it
2: was going to be terrible. He was like, you're going to regret this. And I'm like, no, no, no. Because no, I know everything.
1: Super brain-stimulating.
2: <laughs> so,
0: Is your oh, is your bedroom like a, a sanctuary for you? No. Um, <laughs> I
2: mean, there's, there's too, too many, many ghosts in it, there like for it's that.
0: Very, it's a very special place. There's lots of symbolism in it. Yeah, there's
2: too many ghosts in my bedroom. Um, mm-hmm. I need
0: to smudge a little
2: <laughs> not to say there has not been ever an, a man in my room I swear mm-hmm. the ghosts are in your head mm-hmm. and that's where the mm-hmm. existential crisis stuff comes from it's all in your head um, but I'm I'm trying to make it into one because it should be especially mm-hmm. when you're single um, and you're 35 it's like your and your inner are, sanctum yeah people are like when are you going to have kids and I'm like not now <laughs> I don't have a husband and I'm I want, it's not for everybody but I would like to be married mm-hmm. I would like for that person to be a male if they can you know learn how to treat me. Um so for me it's it's my like it's my place now. Nothing mm-hmm. else is allowed. No outside technology, mm-hmm. uh maybe music. Mm-hmm. Music's good. Mm-hmm. It's yeah. a good place to dance naked. Mm-hmm. I'm all for that. Mm-hmm.
1: Mm-hmm. <laughs> and the other picture was of a purse. Tell us about yeah. this purse.
2: Um my mom came home with it just before Halloween. Halloween's pretty big for me, as you can imagine, cuz um, which we like Halloween. Actually, we hate Halloween because it's cliche. You're very cliche, yeah. It's so cliche. But um, I follow the the Joss Whedon-esque Halloween and that witches should get presents. They should be respected mm. and they should be treated with respect because that's our most powerful time of the year, which is the end of the year. Mm. And that's not the year you want to mess with us, as people in my life have found out over the years. Mm. So um, every year my mom comes home and she brings me a gift for Halloween as a way to say like, you made it this year and this year's gift was a purse um, that says Society of Strong Women. And I she got it in the oh, downtown side. I don't know who made it, but I was like, yeah, I need this. I need this. Um, and it, it really, I think it was kind of the key to starting the website. To starting the sisterhood. Well, not starting the sisterhood, but making the sisterhood public and kind of being like... Sort of official, in a way, um, for you. I mean, it's been official since it was incarnated in, I think the website says 1953, but I'm pretty sure the actual date of the original sisterhood of She Mm. started in 1853, Mm. I think. I'd have to ask my great great, so, great Oh, so assistants. this is not
0: your website we're talking about. This is this the is, website. This is
2: the website. Yeah. Loud the, Brown Girl yeah, has it yeah, yeah. all. There's okay. um, details about the sisterhood that started in Surrey, well, in North Delta. Um, mm-hmm. it's um, And to clarify what I mean by that, um, three women sitting in a booth, sisterhood of she. Um, mm-hmm. It's my six degrees of Kevin Bacon. Um, if you are a sister <laughs> of me, then you are mm-hmm. a sister of she. If you are a sister of he, I you are a sister of me. yeah. yeah. Um, and so, yeah, that gift was sort of like dead on. I was like, yes, now it's time. It's, this is the universe telling me that the society of, of women, of strong women, um, is ready to rise up. Which so is that's cool. sacred to you. It's so one of my favorite things in the world. And it sounds
0: like witchcraft is sacred to you, too. What does witchcraft mean to you? <sighs> the universe
2: likes to kick my ass. <laughs> I
0: mean, you were reading a book about it when when yeah. I showed up today and <laughs> and 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 I, you, and I could feel that there was a there yeah. was something um, sacred around it.
2: I think all women are witches. I think that you cannot bleed for a week and survive and not be a witch. I think you cannot be a self-identified woman and not have some access to the energies around you and by self-identified, yeah, I mean it, trans women are women too. Mm -hmm. Um, And trans men are are freaking men too while we're at it. But I think that women specifically we're just, all of us, no matter what vessel we come in, we're naturally attuned to the energies around us. And um, I think that those manifest. I think that, you know, if you, I'm learning right now about chakras through this book, Practical Magic by Nikki Vandekar. Um, It's stuff that you already know. Witchcraft—it's—it's it's instinctual. It's in your blood, um, especially if you are like me, you're Roma. You know witchcraft. Whether you know, like, you're giving the, the mm-hmm. third degree or the, the third eye or not, you know when you're giving somebody the angry eye, and you know when you're pointing at them and you're being like, and you're, you know when you're doing that stuff, and you know when you're putting that energy out there. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think that there's so much chaos that goes into being a child and a teenager and a young adult, and you're like, oh yeah, I'll focus on it later. Um, which is that was what I did Um, it's sacred but it's also more learning how to coast in this world of all these energies right there's people out there that agree magnetic magnetic energy they affect you differently Um, so if you can't if you wouldn't if you know that that's going to affect you why wouldn't you learn about it is really my thing so there's there's stories and skills mm-hmm. and rituals and absolutely. all kinds
0: of really fabulous coping mechanisms. Absolutely. And celebratory mechanisms yes. that um, can, can... And so we come back to the sisterhood of she Yeah. Um,
2: they, they almost... They absolutely interconnect. together, right? Um, and they specifically interconnect. Um, on the website, you'll learn about Kriya Ohana, which is what I call... Excuse me, my tribe. Um, I am... I was born Catholic. I cannot stand the Catholic Church. Uh, you guys don't have enough time in the universe no, for me to go I'm chuckling why. about it because
0: I've met so many Ugh. people who were born Catholic who can't stand the Catholic Church. But there's but,
2: something in there. Right? Yeah, the fundamentals yeah. of Jesus and Mariah and their mm-hmm. story, Maria being called um, a whore, for instance, as mm-hmm. opposed to some scholars who believe that she was his wife mm-hmm. and that they had children. Kriya Ohana is what I believe would have existed if people had been willing to recognize that there was a potential for them to have had kids mm-hmm. they traveled together and no matter what he was like people call rizza a god who's a rapper rizza has kids
3: mm-hmm.
2: okay like G- mm-hmm. I, I believe jesus had children and i believe mm-hmm. that creole Hanna is the next evolution of what happens if men are willing to move over a little bit and understand that jesus understood the need for female energy We understand the need for male energy, but now we need to balance that with a little bit more of that female energy.
1: Could you say that at Creole Ahana? Creole Ahana. Perfect. Yeah. Oh, I don't even know what I'm saying here, though. Could you spell that for me? Because I want to tweet out a a link to something like that. (laughs) How
2: did I I say to you? A Creole Ahana. Oh, my goodness. Uh, Okay, so it is Catholics. If you come at me, I will block you. I don't (laughs) care. Uh, Let me clarify. This is my disclaimer. I do not care. It is a bastardization of the word Christian. Okay. So it's K-R-I-S. Okay. For the rapper. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, Y-A. Yeah. O-H-A-N-A, I think. Okay. I can't even spell it right. Well, we'll see what we find. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Um, So Creo Ohana is first. It means first because I decided that Christ means first. Um, first Christmas, first Christ, first first daughter of Christ, starting her very own tribe without permission from anyone. Mm. Um, and then Ohana comes from Hawaii because I was in love with Jason Momoa before anybody thought he was famous and sexy and before he was Aquaman. Mm. And I wanted to honor the fact that I always knew Jason Momoa, Jason Momoa was going to be famous because I always knew. Mm. So I was like, what can I do so that one day when I meet him, I can be like, I did this for you. And that's where Ohana, literally that's where Ohana comes from because he's from Hawaii. Doesn't mm-hmm. <laughs> so it's a it's a created word. It is, yeah, yeah. It, is. it absolutely yeah. is. Um, I was told by a librarian that my voice by a librarian <laughs> we used to have to pick a word from a book to describe a book, and my words never ever made it on the board because I was the black girl and my voice mattered less. And I was like, okay, watch me. I'm gonna start making I'm up my own make up words. Yeah. Yes. And she goes, you can't do that. And I said. Fuh. That's well, how mean. words
1: come to be. Yes.
2: Yeah, yes. I mean, I still wish We're Bay would die. We're good at making die. up words. We I don't made like up the
1: word Bay. That's, that can go.
2: <laughs> Fifty Shades of Grey. That can go too. I don't <laughs> like those words. But some words are great.
1: We've got one more song. Okay. For you. Um, do you want to tell us before we listen to it or after why you chose this one?
2: Um, I think that if you're listening to this and you're home alone, strip down naked and dance and do it in a mirror and crank <laughs> the song because it is the perfect song to dance naked to and to like power up yourself and make yourself feel confident too.
1: Okay. All right. So this is Laura Muvula, Phenomenal Woman. So we'll take a listen to this and we will rejoin Devon Hall here in the studio in just a few minutes. Uh, When I click the button correctly, that is. (laughs) Welcome back to Essential Conversations with Luca and Rebecca. And we have Devin Hall here in the studio with us. And we just listened to Laura Mavula, Phenomenal Woman. That was phenomenal. Watching the video was just kapow. Yeah. I haven't heard that song before. And now that is now on my radar. It is going yeah. to be played many times.
2: We need more of that. Yeah. I, I was actually, I look I was looking for that track. Um, <clears throat> because I listen to a lot of gangster rap these days. Um, I am definitely a student at Tupac who is... The ride or die, which is what a lot of us girls, a lot of women are like that. Ride or die, like we're with you from here to the end. Um, stop doing that to yourselves, by the way.
1: Why? <laughs> tell me why. Because oh. you know we can we can hear these things and we so easily we pass <laughs> this on right within our cultural circles. We will um, we will pass things on as this is just the way it is. So tell yeah. me why you challenge that.
2: I love Tupac because I grew up in White Rail, Alberta, which is like the Texas of Alberta. And so yep. I, it's the Texas of Canada, actually. Um, especially now, all you people with Kenny, oh my God, if I had more time. Anyways, um, there's no black culture in Calgary. Like there was none. I, Me and my brother and like, and you guys people. had it. That was it. Yeah, And then there was like one other family and they were too dark to hang out with us. And oh. I was too light to hang out with that. Like, that's a real thing. Oh, God. Um, so there was nothing. And so there was Tupac and there was Snoop Dogg. And that's where I learned this is how you're black. I didn't have Missy Elliott until I was like 19. And at that point, it was too late. I was mm. I was Tupac. I was ride or die. Um, and it was very much like Tupac, Tupac taught me what the world is like outside of real Alberta, Calgary. Um, what it is like when you are living with guns under your pillows and when mom and dad are selling dope or selling their own selves to make the rent. I didn't have that life in Calgary. Mm-hmm. I didn't have that life here. But there were lots of people in my world who have lived in the gang world. Mm-hmm. And I am... I guess the term is guilty by association, even though I may not have broken any laws, or maybe I did, I don't know. Whatever. But... Um, that was the life that was and it was like in front of me all the time and violence and mm-hmm. um women in that world and me specifically we want to be protected we want to be loved and the expectation is if we're ride or die they're going to be ride or die and the thing that i forgot and the thing tupac kept saying is just because you say that you're right ride, ride or die don't mean i'm going to be ride or die with you he had babies with more than one woman he went to jail for sexual assault. He went to jail for a lot of things mm. that some were, some he was guilty of, some he wasn't. Mm-hmm. But at the end, the one thing that I learned from him is that he was always loyal to his family. It mm. might not, might not agree with them, might not mm. like what they did, but he was always loyal to them. And then there was uh, the Wu Tang clan that was like, we're going to be loyal to you, but we're going to take care of ourselves first. We're going to take mm. care of men first. Tupac was really, um, if you listen to some of his songs, you listen to uh, Snoop Dogg, you listen to Nate Dogg, you listen to Eazy-E, they tell you this is how women get treated in this world. Mm. You might not like it. You might not like the things that we say, but this is how we treat them. Be careful if you are going to step into this world. This is what you're going to get.
1: This is sort of like believe us what we're selling you. They made no
2: apologies about it. I Mm. think it was Ice-T who came out recently. He's like, I don't know if I can say the B word, but he still calls girls in that world the B word.
1: Mm
5: -hmm.
2: And he's like, I'm not going to apologize. We made albums. We made millions of dollars making albums telling you how to behave to protect yourselves. Not because we're mean, not because we're terrible, but that's because what we know. Mm. And we are not going to change because it made money for us. It, that was the goal when you were getting out of the hood in those mm. days. Make money, get out, get rich, get but famous. you couldn't get out if you didn't make any money to get right. out with, right? Right. And so a lot of women still to this day, even me, I'm still ride or die. There's people in my world that I don't like, I don't respect, but I will still ride or die for them. Because that's the bond that we made. That's the promise that we made to each other. Was that no matter what happens, no matter where we go, we'll have each other's back. It doesn't mean I like you. It doesn't mean I want to put up with your junk. It just means if you really, 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 really need me, I'll be there. Mm. Um,
1: but it sounds like where you're saying you're comfortable with that. It's reciprocal.
2: It has to be.
1: And if, if it's, it's not reciprocal, what is it? Peace
2: out. See you later. Have a good mm-hmm. life. I wish you all the best. I wish you no harm. I I want you to follow your dreams but I'm not going to let you drag me down. And that's very much the Wu-Tang way. Mm
1: -hmm. Um, And then I fall somewhere in the middle. Mm -hmm. Um, It seems to me when, when you got somebody or something, meaning like a group that's expecting that ride or die loyalty that, but they're not giving it reciprocally. What they're getting is stability and security mm -hmm. by sourcing that from other individuals Mm -hmm. or other groups, but they're not feeding their source. And
2: that's just exactly like you still, it's funny, like, There's a show called Bad Blood, and it's about the Rizzuto family, and everyone's like, oh, yeah, the mafia is done. I'm like, are you kidding me? Mm. It's still there. It's less powerful. It's less notorious. But there's still that mentality. Mm -hmm. It's like Nazism. It's still there. Mm -hmm. Hitler's Mm -hmm. gone. But that mentality is still there. It's the same with gangs. It's the same with Nazism. It's the same with um, domestic abuse. Mm. Just because it's not being talked about doesn't mean it doesn't exist. And... It's exactly that. People in that world, they want your loyalty. They want your respect. They want to be the tough guy. They want to be the boss. But they forget that the lessons of these rappers was that if you want that, you have to earn that. You don't get it just because you have a gun in your hand. You don't get it just because you hit your woman. You have to get every single person in that hood to respect you and to want to lift you up and to want to protect you. And that's where gang culture fails. Because the Crips and the Bloods, they were started to protect their community, not destroy it. The fact that it became something afterwards that was never the intention at the very beginning is separate and above from what it was at the beginning. When we're talking about gang culture in the rest of the world, we're talking about a disease. We're not talking about loyalty, family, respect, and honor. We're talking about domestic abuse, child abuse, drug abuse, suicide, murder. There's a very big difference between what happens in Compton and what happens here. Compton is the kind of community that teaches people to be blood or to be water but always to be loyal and to protect your own. Bloods and, and Crips will protect their own no matter what. It doesn't matter if they like each other. Um, they will protect their women. Their women will get food on the table. Kids will be fed. Maybe not the way that like a normal father would by going out and getting a job nine to five, but in Compton that's not always something that's possible. And we're starting, we're not even starting to see that. We are seeing that in our communities. What started in Compton as a culture of music and history and art, and and the understanding that these stories need to be told, that hatred, that anger, that rage, it has spread to other communities, and we're not calling it what it is. We're not calling it gangster culture because that's what it is. Because well, it's
0: almost like it needs to be studied now, right? I mean, when something when something starts. It, it gets a reputation and it becomes sort of folklore well, and it, I still and it might remember not all be accurate, right? It's I still just... remember
2: when Rodney King was beaten up and mm-hmm. I was just a baby and I remember going, oh that's not like it that was on that was the big first big right after OJ I think it was
5: mm-hmm. or yeah, right before maybe. Um, yeah, that was, was the after. big
2: first news black thing that had happened. And then right after that you had OJ. There was no way that was going to not spread Mm -hmm. because that was in L.A. And people were just starting to like tune into news around Mm -hmm. the world in those days. Mm -hmm. That was the first thing that went viral. Mm -hmm. You can't have something like that happen, that much hatred from cops and an entire Compton, all of Compton retaliated. Mm -hmm. That was going to spread. Well, now here's the result of what happened to Rodney King. This is Mm -hmm. it.
1: We're still, yeah, exactly. It's like the ripples, right, that continue to spread. Because, because yeah. this is, it is uncovering something that is there and exactly. has mm-hmm. stretched yeah. across mm-hmm. nations. And it's
2: it's very much the, you know, take back our night, soldiers. That's what we are now. Mm. You know, we're not out like we, and it was Tanya Rose from Calgary. I just have to throw this in quickly and we're in a time. But Tanya Rose from Calgary, who's the daughter of a soldier. Um, and I, I'm pretty sure he was killed in Afghanistan. I, I, I hope not, um, but I'm pretty sure that's what I heard last time I, I heard about them. She told me that just because we're not in Iraq or Afghanistan does not mean that we're not still fighting the same war on hatred. Mm, and that's yeah, what we're doing, yeah. whether we're in Compton, whether we're in Wally, whether we're in downtown Eastside. That hatred war is it's spread. And mm-hmm. it's, our weapons are different, our defense systems are different, but the result is the same. People die. It's not are dying. out there. It's, no. it's always here. It's with always us. here. We are fighting it. And we might not be wearing camo and, and armed gear in Iraq. But um, this is something you'll see on the website. If you're seeing a girl wearing camo, that girl's a soldier. Mm. And she's fought. And she's experienced something. And you don't... That's what I learned. I never, ever wore camo until this year. Until I was like, now I've earned the right to wear my camouflage. Because Mm. I'm now a soldier. I have been to my war. It sucked. I survived so far. And I'm now one of the many. And so every time I see a girl wearing camo, I remember to like, thank you. And I say, I love your outfit. Or I love your shirt. Because... Mm. um, because it's a
1: statement. It's, it's a, statement a statement of
2: survival yeah. and yeah. engaging in the war. Yeah, mm-hmm. it's a reminder that we're not alone and that yeah. our soldier sisters mm-hmm. are out there. Mm-hmm.
1: So, your website is part of how you are fighting the war. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Mm-hmm. Tell our listeners as we're wrapping up here: who would you love to hear from? Where would you love people to connect with you? All of that.
2: Um, you can follow me on Twitter at Devin J Hall, and on Facebook at Real Devin J Hall. Um, on Facebook, our it's. Original LMBG. Um, we have a, a Twitter account, but I don't use it. Instagram mm-hmm. is loudmouth. Um, the website address is loudmouth, loudmouthbrowngirl.wordpress.com. Um, right now, not dot .com, sorry. Yeah, .com. Trying to get money to, like, make it a dot .com. I want mm-hmm. to have artists come on there and showcase their artwork. I want specifically local artists, um, musicians and fashion designers. And I want people to come and shop the blog. Um, there are so many great artists in Vancouver, and I'd like to be able to sell their work through the site and then mm-hmm. directly have the money go to the artist. Um, collaborative. Site, yeah, I really yeah. want it to be. It's not just about abuse stories. It's about Mm -hmm. girls who've been bullied. It's about men who have been there. There have been a couple letters that have come in, um, close friends of mine that have written some letters that are male. I took them down just because I really want to collect more girl stories. But um, it's a place for people to come and anonymously share their experience. And Mm -hmm. I will post Every freaking letter, everyone, as long as it's, mm-hmm. you know, it's, it's about growth and whether you're an art, if you're an artist, if you're a writer, if you're a novelist, if you're a painter or a drawer or a tattoo artist, mm-hmm. send us your work and we'll post it and we'll show the world like how it is you deal with anxiety and stress and what helps you heal because that's really what the site is. It's what helped me survive
4: mm-hmm. all the
5: junk. Yeah.
1: Thank you, Devin. Thanks it's for having a, it's me, It's a guys. diamond
0: out there, right? It's a star oh, that, that so is many of them. shedding light and, and helping um, a whole group to move forward.
2: Actually, if we have just two seconds, just to Isabel in Paris, um, who asked me not to post her letter, and to Marie in Texas, who asked me not to post their letters. I love you guys, and thank you. Mm-hmm. Um, because, again, like some of the letters that come in, people don't necessarily want them posted, but... Some of you guys who have written me um, are pretty amazing and I'm really grateful you're out there and thank you. And, well, and mm-hmm. also I look it's forward to letters I can post soon.
1: Well yeah. and the le- you're reading them so they're mm-hmm. still being witnessed, yeah, right? Yeah, exactly. That's yeah. what I'm saying. And I was then when the say. time
2: comes you're um, the witness. You know, some women have asked that their letters mm-hmm. be held on to and that will happen too until they're they're ready and we have um, the one thing I will say is we do not work with the RCMP at all. We absolutely refuse. They will not mm-hmm. be at our events just because there are women out there who have had some negative interactions with RCMP. And
1: So in um, other words, you're not taking that on for other people? No,
2: no, it's not my job. Just yeah. all no. Other people no. can
1: decide no. what they want to do with their yeah. information. Yeah. Devin, thank you for joining yeah. us today. thanks for having thank so much me. for being yeah. in
2: the studio with hope us today. hope I
4: didn't
0: today. talk too much. Essential Conversations is brought to you courtesy of Luca Halleck's Power Sorcerer. And Rebecca Mears, Certified Coach. Increase your awareness, expand your options, empower yourself. Luca can be reached at www.lucahallux.com.
1: I light the fires that light a thousand more. Connect with Rebecca at catchingfire.ca. Yep, yep, yep. yep, yep. Oh,
3: ah, 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 ah,